Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Deep Cuts. Uh, today, I have a very special guest. It's Carson Serino. I've followed Carson for a while and followed Serino Cigars for a while, but obviously, they've never been a guest on Deep Cuts, so I'm looking forward to getting to know a little bit more about Carson and Serino Cigars, and let's go ahead and bring on our guest for today. Carson, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. I really... I enjoyed your little intro, the deep cuts intro. Oh, <laughs> about a star in an action movie. So. <laughs> yeah, people were, were asking uh, last year to like, why don't you have an intro? And I was like, it takes time. <laughs> I'm a very yeah. perfectionist. And I think I, I've seen some of your other interviews. So I know that you're a bit of a perfectionist as, as well. So mm -hmm. it was one of those things where I was like, when it gets developed and I can settle on it and be okay with it, then we'll have an intro. So. <laughs> Well, you did good. I, I enjoyed it. So <laughs> thank you so much. Yeah. So all all the all the tinkering came right. It fell right into place. <laughs> so like I was telling people, I followed you for a while. I've known a Sereno Cigar Company for a while. I've been in the industry since uh, 2010. So actually, when I was first got into the industry, I would hear a lot about your father, Tony Sereno, Tony Tony Sereno. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I kind of got to know, like I said, a little bit about the company and know that, that you're also heavily involved. So I'm looking forward to today of learning more about Serena Cigars, but having other people also kind of learn more about you all and what you all have going on. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, and likewise, I, I've uh, I've read a lot of your uh, all of your editorials and I've you've done one with us as well. And, uh, you know, you always do a great job and, and it's a pleasure to be on here and uh, to get to know you better and talk about brand a bit. Oh, thank you. So I, I feel like we should start at the beginning as to what's your background and like, how did you come to work in cigars? Um, so a long story as these things always are uh but it goes all the way back about 30 years and i'm only 32 uh, my father entered the cigar industry after uh getting out of the video rental store business in south florida um and he sold those and uh kind of bootstrapped all the money from he made from the video video rental store business and like other things and really fell in love with cigars. And that kind of just took, took his passion, kind of took his path uh, to starting at first, just buying cigars in the little Havana area and then reselling them to shops all across Miami. Because at that time there was no internet, no phone. I like phone book was the best way to like get in contact with people. Um, so he would pretty much be the liaison between a lot of like retail stores and, all the little factories that were working down in like little Havana area. Um, so it started off from there and then it grew into a retail store, which was about when I was like nine, 10 years old. And that lasted all the way till I was about 18. I actually worked at that retail store all the way through, all the way through middle school and, <laughs> and high school. Um, it was pretty much just working and I got a little bit of hockey here and there, which was like my, my sport of choice growing up. Um, and uh, then APS Distributor started, which is his distribution company, which is kind of 
more so of what he was doing in Miami. Um, but now he built connections with people in the Dominican, Nicaragua, um, family owned factories. Uh, and then he was creating his own brands and boxes and uh, bundles and then starting to sell them throughout Florida and Georgia, South North Carolina, it became a regional brand. Um, during that time, I was also working the warehouse, working the retail. Um, so I wore a lot of different hats early on. Um, then I went to college. I, I, I studied entrepreneurship and marketing, did art history as a minor, um, which I've always been attracted like branding and art and all the stories behind the brands. Um, I would say that was my favorite thing growing up in the retail store was just hearing all the different stories and, and the heritage and, and all, uh, all the back, the underpinnings of each brand. Uh, so I got out of school and, uh, we were always in the bundle value business. And we, at this point, we're even like helping other people contract and their brands were really growing and excelling. And uh, I thought, hey, why don't we start our own brand and all the expertise you've acquired and, you know, my, my, uh, my early passion for it. Uh, why don't we kind of merge those and start building our own brand on top of all the other business we do with dis distribution and bundles and value products. And uh, yeah, it kind of just started from there. So that Sereno Cigar Co. launched in 2016, even though he's been in the business for about 30 years. So that was our premium face, our premium division of, of the brand. And we, we contract with La Corona Factory, who Omar from La Corona is incredible, very talented. He ran the La Corona Factory in Havana, Cuba, uh, which made Romeo and Julieta, Paul Laraniega, uh, Hoyo de Monterey, like all the big famous brands, you know, he was like, he was, he was the artisan behind all of it. And uh, he moved over to Nicaragua, opened up his own factory uh, and his own farms. And it's a small little factory, only about 12, 13 pairs. Uh, so that's 26 people. Um, and we knew him just from being in the industry and, and realized that was our guy who we really wanted to make cigars with and be, be the other um, arm in our brand that the, you know, the one who helped build us, build it with us. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, started a real pretty humble beginnings and just over time and experience a lot of failure, a lot of, uh, a lot of, you know, had our own successes as well. It's a, it's came to where we are today. When you say you started off or your dad started off as a retailer, and he kind of took the retail part and, and I guess morphed into the distributor and yeah. then you launched your brand. Do you think that if you had done it differently, if he had started off as a manufacturer or a brand, do you think he would have the success with Serena Cigar Company that he has? Or do you think it was necessary to, to make those gradual steps from being a retailer to distributor to and then all that comes with being both of those things? to then launching his brand? Um, I mean, I think everybody's story is a little bit different. And, but I think from where he was at, um, he needed that to happen. Like, we all needed that to happen. Because starting at My Cigar Club, there was some, a couple of small brands we just ran out of there and like three or four other stores, not our own stores, that we sold to, um, you know, localized stores that, uh, you know, the branding wasn't the best it could have been. The cigars were 
just slightly above average, like uh, it, it being in all honesty, like it took us time to really perfect that craft. And I think some people come in and they spend so much time as an enthusiast that they're and that they just already come in looking for what they want, even though it fails a lot of the time when enthusiasts jump in and, and want to get right into uh, the cigar industry. But um, yeah, I think it really just needed to happen the way it happened. Um, and I, I think everybody's story is like that. Like all, all, all the heritage brands, they've been around for a long time because they, they've gone through all the obstacles and all the learning curves and, and were able to, you know, be a little bit better each time coming out of them. So you talked about at the beginning, there were some failures or maybe missteps, however you want to phrase it, that were made. Like, what were some of those things that were kind of like a learning curve, like that you all did that you were like, oh, <laughs> we shouldn't have done it that way. And you kind of learned from it. Like, what were some of those uh, obstacles? I mean, it's so far in the past and I'm not going to like ever name names, but, you know, you like run into somebody you'll meet and they'll be like, Hey, we have good cigars and they'll show you something. And then, you know, then once you put in a huge order, like sight unseen, things come back and they're not the same as what you get or like something as small as like not cellophaning your cigars and realizing that if you're not at your own retail shop, a lot of retailers across the country want cellophane and barcodes. Like that's just something like that, that will, you'll make a whole product line and then you'll get all this pushback and then it'll be like, okay, we got to sell through all this and then start all over from again. So just like uh, little, little things here and there. And then even some big things like just not uh, validating bent blends all the way through, which we do a really good job of now. Like, you know, like this was long, right. A small child. Um, but uh, yeah, just starting off. And also that was like mid nineties in the cigar boom when, it was just hard to get cigars. Um, so, uh, but yeah, from our branding standpoint, I would just say little things like that, like the the right way to package things, um, 10 count boxes, 20 count boxes, 25 count, shelf space, shelf talkers, all these little things that you learn that just kind of, uh, that add to merchandising, add to the way the end consumer wants it, price points, all that stuff. So, Yeah. And I know that you're a branding guy and I love branding. And I love art because my background was actually graphic design uh, before right. I started doing all this writing. Um, so from, from your standpoint, like when you came into the business and you kind of looked at, I'm sure you kind of looked at other brands, mm -hmm. what did you kind of notice about cigar industry branding? And then how did you decide to kind of flip the script when it came to Serino's branding? Okay. So Cigar industry's branding is like just stuck in a time capsule. Like <laughs> it really is. And so it's really beautiful. It's beautiful and antiquated. Like it's beautiful and it's got a heritage look and it doesn't like look too antiquated. And, and it's really like classic and lovely. But summer is just like, it's like a bad 80s, I don't know, graphic design job. And, uh, and I came in and there was other brands already starting to do it that really, uh, um, had a modern look, I would say modern. It wasn't so much, uh, it wasn't so much that like, it was so much of a deviation from old school, but it was just modernized. Like one of my favorite brands when I was growing up was in work in the retail store. It was when Tatuaje first came out. And I really just thought it was really 
elegant, just the like the little script cursive on their brand. It still looked very modern, but it looked very classic at the same time. And, and I always thought that was kind of a, you know, a route we'd want to go. Um, I definitely leaned more into the modern side than the classic. But I, I think, uh, yeah, I think your heritage brands still look good today. But then that middle ground, there is a lot of, there is a lot of uh, uh, things that could have been improved on. And, and how do you approach the use of color? Because I rarely get to ask most people this because they don't really think about color. But I know that for me, in my background, like I took a year of color theory. <laughs> so I'm always looking at different colors. And sometimes I'll look at the cigar industry. I'm like, why are we using this color? And yeah. then some of your stuff and you're using like primary colors or bold colors. Yeah. Really kind of stand out. So I'm just kind of interested to know like your approach to, to colors. Like what moods are you trying to capture and what kind of visual cues are you trying to give uh, cigar smokers as they walk into a humidor? Yeah. So no, it's a good question. Um, I, I pay attention to that stuff a lot. Um, with our Serena Royale line, my dad was the main one behind it, but we definitely wanted to use a blue band because we thought it was like very inviting and elegant at the same time. And no one really used like a nice, true, deep blue. Um, so that was something we look into like, how how much is this used how much can we like differentiate ourselves from other brands because when you go into a humidor there's like you know hundreds 200s uh of uh, brands so you have to be able to differentiate yourself somehow and that's either got to be between you know really unique design or or color palette like you're saying um so we we look at one kind of the uh yeah, the emotion behind it, like you're saying, that's definitely that's definitely a factor. And then, uh, has this been done a lot? And if so, who's it been done by? Like, are we gonna? Is it gonna get just swallowed by, you know, someone like Perdomo who has that really, um, or n not saying you know they're great at what they do. So that's why, like, that's who they are. Like, mm -hmm. are we gonna be next to them and and uh, you know totally get that brand swallowed up with or something? You know, so. Uh, um, yeah, I would say, I would say some individualism and like, uh, and yeah, just the moods, moods of, of what we're trying to bring to the table. So how much do you think like a cigar band plays into the decision from a consumer to actually buy a product? Because I think like, if you look at Canada, they have plain packaging. So the focus is really on the cigar and the quality and the, and the yeah. blends. And I'm not saying that that's not the focus here in, in the U S but to me, like we're visual people. We, you know, we scroll through our phones and choose what kind of articles to read based on not the content sometimes, but based on how attractive a picture is or, you know, so how much does visual stuff play into people deciding to buy or try a product? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think, okay, so I definitely think it plays into your first purchase. Um, I think that definitely gets you somebody on your brand. But if the cigar is bad, no matter how pretty the cigar is, I don't think they're going to keep reaching for it. No. I, I just think that you can't, you know, you can't fool people. Maybe twice, maybe they'll be like, okay, I just got a bad one. But if it keeps happening, like your consistency, quality, that all has to be there. But I do think it plays a huge part in 
um, in the first, the, your first impression with, with a uh, cigar enthusiast. So um, in that aspect, we try to make our bands pretty and also to try to make them kind of capture the essence of the blend. And uh, I also think in social media, it, it matters a lot. If you have a pretty band that photographs well, um, which there's a whole, it, it really helps you out. So our Wayfair bands, I absolutely love it. I like it's one of my favorite brands. It's like the first one we did um, that I got to do with the company. Um, but it's black on this really like flashy gold foil. So if you have bad lighting, it just, right. like, it looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, it still looks pretty, but like you got to get the, the lighting. It's, it, it's not as reflective as how pretty the band is if the lighting is all off. And like, I see it all the time on, on social media, people still post it. But then like um, one of our other ones, Eleanor Rose, like it's more flat. So no, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So Eleanor Rose, this one, it's got more flat. Uh, and I think it's definitely visually aesthetic. Like I was like, we have been Ecuadorian Rosado wrapper, which just means like a rose tinted wrapper. So it's a lot of where this name came from, but um, yeah, so this doesn't have too much foiling on it. So you'll always get a nice picture, a nice crisp picture, which was something I had to learn too. Like you can't, not only do you, can, do you have to make a pretty band, like think about all the different channels afterwards, like all the like little reflection points afterwards of how it's going to be uh, presented, like on social media, on blog websites, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that's something unique that you bring to the brand because lots of brands that I know in the cigar industry, they aren't always thinking about how well is this, you know, cigar or the cigar band going to photograph they're not always thinking about how how is this cigar going to present itself on facebook or on instagram or and now tiktok and stuff like that they don't think about that kind of stuff yeah and so you know but to me it's like there's so few avenues to market a, a tobacco brand period um that you have to think like that because if if your brand doesn't show up well in a picture or in a video now it's like you're, you're cutting yourself off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I think people are getting a little bit better with it. Um, but yeah, it's definitely in terms of advertising, like you're saying, like social media is pretty much your other than through print and, and, uh, trade magazines and all that stuff. Like you're, you're relying heavily on social media word of mouth. Um, so yeah, I, I think you really got to take all that into consideration. I know I drive my dad, my uncle, everyone insane. Um, so there's ask that. Like, I know that there's obviously a, a generational different approach to, to business. And I know that from even in the media world, you know, there's a old school way of thinking about media. And then there's like the new school way. So yeah. do you, how do you manage? Because I know that there's a lot of people out there who are, are going to like how do you manage being the young guy yeah on the block and kind of having to politely communicate sometimes like that's the old way of doing it and like this is how you have to do it now for xyz reason yeah um definitely 
I definitely have become like more patient as I, as I grow up, <laughs> um, I guess. Um, yeah. And I think you, they like personally, sometimes things just have to like either flop or not go as expected. You're like, okay, well this happened. Let's just like next time, let's remember this point case in point and like, let's just keep this on our minds while we're doing our next project. And, uh, yeah, because they're not wrong either. Like my dad, my uncle, everyone else at the business, like uh, not everybody else, but they want to get things done and make sure that like the end user has something at the end of the day that um, they care about. But um, uh, yeah, taking all those little steps and like going through all the all the little obstacles or or, or seeing how it you know, learning curves of what happened in our past brands, like Wayfair case in point, like after that, we're like, okay, now let's keep that on like the forefront of our mind. Like we're not going to change Wayfair. We love that band. And in person, it looks beautiful. Um, but maybe in our next brand, if we wanted to photograph better, like what can we do colors wise or, or foiling or, or, uh, you know, paper stock wise. So, um, I, I think with the generation thing, it's just like patience and like, good communication and being like, this happened here. This, uh, this is, uh, how we should do it next time. And, and most of the time after, after, you know, a lot of conversations, we, we, we had form a middle ground. So. On the subject of, uh, social media, like, mm -hmm. I think I was looking at one of your interviews. I think you did with cigar club, or maybe I was reading the small batch interview that you did uh, a while back, but, um, you were talking about the sense of having to create use social media to build that community around your brand. Like, yeah. And I'll think like, again, I think that's something that a lot of cigar or tobacco companies in general kind of struggle with. Um, but the cigar people sometimes struggle with it too. Cause it's like, how do you, how do you do that? So how do you approach building a community or following around Sereno cigar company using social media? Um, I think just being responsive and, and uh, trying to um, one like aesthetics matter, like you should photographs and, and making sure the brand is presented the way you want it to be presented is uh, important. And then just being responsive and like uh, and, and making people feel included and 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 genuinely just like talking to them if, you know, they didn't like something, if they did like something, um, if they, something bad happened with the one of the cigars, like, Hey, message me, like, let's just, you know, I'll take care of it for you. Or, or if something's great, awesome. Like, let's share that. So I think being responsive and including people in things, um, you know, builds a community. And then like the last thing on the, on the list is probably like good aesthetics, like trying to have good photos and, and, uh, and yeah, presenting your brand. So yeah, responsiveness, I, I, I think is like the biggest thing to include in the community. So is Instagram your main social media outlet right now or is it Facebook? It, yeah, Instagram is, I'm trying to be better with Facebook. Facebook's harder. Um, Instagram, I feel like more, more people are more active. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I feel like Facebook is just like scroll, <laughs> scrolling of doom. I don't know. Hey, yeah. yeah, like you're just it's older. It's a slightly older demographic, I think. Yeah, I think Instagram is slightly younger, but I know a lot of 
I don't know if, if you're like me, but I'm constantly trying to stay abreast of all of the social media outlets. So I keep hearing how TikTok is kind of taking over. And that, yeah. that's a completely different other beast because it's like you can't just get away with like the steel photo and, and it's yeah. the algorithm is completely different. And you can get other social media platforms and just like. I'm <laughs> totally, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm not big on the TikTok. So, like, mm-hmm. calling it the TikTok, <laughs> an old person. Um, but yeah, no, like, I, I, we should be more active on TikTok or something like that. But uh, yeah, I stick mainly with Facebook and Instagram. And then also, a, a really great way is if you go on our website and enter into our newsletter, I try to be pretty proactive with the newsletter. Um, and just give people like what's going on with our brand, even like behind the scenes stuff or new projects that are on, on, you know, on the horizon. Uh, so yeah, TikTok might be the next one. Um, it's hard. (laughs) I mean, I love watching videos on TikTok. Me too. Um, I learned so much from it, but it's like when I'm sitting there trying to think, how would I make content for this? Yeah. A minute. I think you have like a, maybe a minute or, or a minute and a half or so to really yeah. message across, but it's just like anything else. Totally. Even that minute people are going to life hacks I can give on cigars. On I know, <laughs> but I learned a bunch like bizarre, but like I w- about cutting onions. You know, if you put like a paper towel right next to the onion, mm-hmm. your eyes don't water anymore. I learned that off TikTok. It's great. Um, Crazy. So yeah. <laughs> Just a bunch of life hacks. A lot of good, like, comedies on TikTok, too. Like, you know, if... Uh, um, yeah, so I don't know how I can incorporate cigars in that. I think cigars are more so... More how, made for... They thrive on Instagram. How important is it for you, you and your dad and other people, like the factory, like, to put faces to the brand? Because I think there's two different competing approaches to especially on Instagram with cigar companies, you have those that have personalities that kind of drive the brand and drive the interest. Um, Room 101 comes to mind, like Matt Booth is a personality. And then you have other brands though that don't have a personality or a person to drive it. And it's just product. Like what's been your experience with that? Because I know a lot of people struggle. Should I put myself in front or should we find somebody to kind of front this thing or... Or do we just front it with the product and let the product speak for itself, which is kind of hard to do, I think, <laughs> in just a picture. It is hard to do. Um, and that's something I certainly struggle with. Like, um, because you're right. Like, I, I think everyone kind of finds their own way on that. Like Matt Booth and like Caldwell and all those guys, they're great at, you know, developing a persona behind their brand. If it was up to me, I would definitely just like let the cigars do the talking. Um I like coming on here and doing stuff like this with like, you know, people, but I hate having to be in front of the camera and like showing, showing myself off. Like, you know, it's, there's a whole system of how these cigars come to be. It's not like just me or my dad or my uncle or anyone like that. Um, I, I, and I would more so like that to be incorporated. Um, which I think, I think we're on the right track with the way we're starting to present our product, Mm -hmm. but I think it really works different for everyone. Like if you have a big personality and like a lot of your character goes into the brand, I think you should definitely like put it out there. And, and, and um, but if you're somebody who likes to more so like highlight the artisanship of it, I, I, I think you should go that route. 
So I, I think everyone really does find their way and everyone's unique and, and has an individual perspective on it. And that's why the industry is the way it is. Like it's not everybody is like, this is the face, this is the brand. There's just, everyone's all over the place with it. Um, so yeah, I think it just takes trial and error and reflecting on your own personal philosophies on what you think good cigar making and, and branding should be, and then uh, kind of acting on that. When it comes to your product itself, um, being a, a having a retail background, having distribution background, I'm sure you know what you what makes a good cigar or some qualities that kind of go into like a checklist. So when you're look, thinking of Sereno cigars, like how do you go about qualifying like what makes a good a good cigar? Not just you know any cigar, but one that's going to resonate and like really hit that mark with cigar consumers. Yeah. Um... Like I said, been doing it a long time now. So like a lot of trial and error. Um, but, and also like getting to meet and work with the right people. Like I said, La Corona and Omar. And then we did a blend with Hochi of Tobacco Lair Palma. Uh, and those guys are awesome. But really what it comes down to is just good aged tobacco and aging that tobacco in um, the most, I think, uh, I'm trying to find the right word the most pure way um, having more of a purest perspective on it. Like there's no uh, just low and steady in the balloons, like fermenting that tobacco at a low temperature at a, at a very um, at a longer duration and uh, high quality tobacco um, rolling properly. And uh, yeah, I would say more of like a very traditional, uh, a traditional cigar making um i i think less is more so uh, less doing it more thorough but like you know having a very traditional take on it so um, well, one of the things that i always see in press releases is uh you know most companies now they say we only use we found the best tobacco we found the best leaf to use in this cigar and it's like what like I, I don't know if any company that would not want to use the best tobacco you know yeah. it's kind of like this this blanket statement so what makes tobacco good versus i'm sure you've encountered tobacco that just doesn't fit what what you need and what your your blends need so what makes a tobacco good <laughs> yeah i mean like you said, it, it's always the obvious, like, yeah, we, everyone wants to use the best tobacco possible, but I think it's everything you do. One, the growing conditions and like the quality of the crop definitely matter. But afterwards, it's like I said, fermentation, aging, um, your post-roll aging. We, we, we don't just like pack cigars and then ship them out. We wait at least at the minimum three months and we rarely do that. Um, it's always like six months to a year after the roll that we send our cigars out. Um, so I, I think, like I said, just doing things in a traditional way, but not cutting corners on them, um, being very thorough with the process um, and having a good crop and like good people behind you uh, to, to really make, you know, your dreams be realized. So uh, I, I, yeah, 
I would say all, all the like all the stuff you do post post crop is like I would say sixty five percent of it. Okay, I'm always curious. Like I said, because every time I get a press release, it's always like we only use the best tobacco, and I'm like. I've never counted anybody that says we only we used okay tobacco, but it turned out great anyway. So it's always a weird like I wish they would explain it more. Like what made this tobacco great? Was it the taste quality or like you said, was it something that happened in the post rolling stage or the aging stage? It's just like a weird question that I think maybe a lot of companies are kind of just like, well, this is a standard. So we got to say it's good tobacco. I know. And I think that's what it is. Like, you know, it really is the standard. Like, um, right now, it's definitely the best time ever for, like, cigars um, in terms of quality. Um, you just have, like, really high-quality control. And, and uh, yeah, so I think it's hard to differentiate yourself. Mm -hmm. so everyone tries to, like, jazz it up in the, like, we have the best. But, like, yeah. Um, they should go more into their process because I think people would be interested in that um, and say, because everyone's is a little bit different. Like it is a very traditional uh, craftsmanship, like a craft, but like, I think everyone does have their little, you know, their, their little different tricks that make it a, a little bit unique and individual. I, and I definitely agree with that because I was reading this book on um, copywriting. Don't ask. It's just like one of those random things I, I did uh, recently and it was talking about, you know, how to write for certain products. And it was saying, you know, for a product that comes out like almost like a cigar, it didn't say cigars, but it's like cigars that are produced after a big process. You should describe to your, your customer what that process is, mm -hmm. um, you know? And I, I was like, I feel like the cigar industry, maybe they used to do that, but now it's, it's like, it completely skips. It's just like wrapper binder filler, it's the best tobacco ever. You know, it comes in 20 count boxes Buy it. Like it feels like the industry is kind of getting away from telling that story about the process and the people who make it. So it's just a weird. Yeah, it's weird for sure. And I think it's totally like we, as an industry, like everyone is so hooked on like what's new and what's going to be the next cigar that that puts like, it does put weight and pressure on the cigar maker to always be like turning out new things instead of like really just owning that one product for the year. Like we're always like, can we get four or five releases done this year? And I think that's, you know, it's great for the consumer, but like it definitely, it definitely butchers the, the craftsmanship or like the storytelling of it. I don't think it butchers the craftsmanship, um, but it, the storytelling and the marketing behind it, um, I think having to like pump out as many releases as possible, which we try not to do that. Like it. I've noticed. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. I mean, some people want us to release more blends, like, and I think that would keep our enthusiasm more engaged throughout the year. But like, we really do put a lot of thought into every brand that we put out. Um, so it's not just like, okay, we did this one, let's do a next one and like have one, make sure we get one done for Christmas time. Um, it it kind of just, we, we make sure it flows really organically. And you're talking about the people who help you make these cigars, Hoshi and Omar? Yeah. Like, tell well, us a little bit about working with both of these people because I'm sure they have a completely different approach to, 
to blending. Yeah. So, so what was it like? So like, what was the process like working with each of them and what kind of new edge did they bring to those cigars? Okay. So I'll go with like their commonalities and then their differences. Um, so both of them are just like amazing people. Um, and they're very passionate about making cigars. Um, they're both vertically integrated, meaning they both have their own farms. They use, they use their, um, tobacco from, they don't, I, I'm sure Hochi and Omar buy tobacco here and there, but a core of what they're doing is always is, uh, is based on their own tobacco. Um, Omar's factory is much smaller. It's like 12 pairs. Um, and, uh, he doesn't use a Lieberman machine. He has a, a, a very unique destemming system so that like the, the wrappers are very smooth and uh, less veiny. Um, a Lieberman machine is where you put the tobacco in the bunch and then you use it. Everything else, the way he does it, it's all done by like weight of the hand and like truly handmade. So there's not one Lieberman machine in the whole factory. Um, wow. Yeah. So it, it's, it's more time consuming. Um, it's also very much more intuitive, but I think the roll comes out a little bit better. Uh, it's more like true Cuban to form, which it's a little more snug, which, you know, if you have a cigar, it should be like having a milkshake. Like it should have resistance to it or it heats up and then it gets really bitter and, and, and uh, doesn't taste good. Um, Hochi, they usually room machine, but they, they're very good about it. Um, their inventory of tobacco is much more expansive. Like they have way, a way wider variety, a selection of tobacco to use. Um, and there's a lot more people at the factory. Uh, so I would say those are the main differences and they're both really great at what they do. And I, I would say your cigars come out slightly different, like just the way they smoke and stuff, but there's, both of them are a good way of making cigars. Um, it's just, I think that's a personal preference thing. And like how I, one is more like a traditional Cuban way. And one's more like a, a Caribbean style Dominican Nicaraguan way of making cigars. Um, and I, I, I think they're both very skilled and, and great at what they do. Um, so yeah, I would say, I, I would say those are their main, both of them are very high on, fermenting at a low temperature for long periods of time and highly aged tobacco, which that's like the number one thing that I believe is like the, the core foundation of going to be your cigar is mainly like doing it the right way for a long time. Um, and quality tobacco and both of them, that that's where they align up, but the way they make their cigars are definitely a little bit different. Yeah, I know this is going to be like a Sophie's Choice type of question, but looking at Sereno's portfolio of cigars, is there one that kind of stands out to you as kind of your favorite for any given reason? It could be that maybe it was you really enjoyed the making it, or maybe it was uh, just a memory that came up in the production process. Is there a Sereno cigar that has a special place in your heart? <laughs> yeah, um, so my favorite blend is this one. And I really, Eleanor Rose, and I love the packaging and everything. My favorite, like, cigar, though, is Wayfair. Um, the story behind it is really cool. Like, I went backpacking and traveling uh, um, 
and uh, it was the first brand I got to do with the company. So like it was all very new and unique and I definitely hit my own learning curves that I had to like overcome and, and, uh, and yeah. And I just love the way it looks. I think Wayfair still looks really beautiful today um, as it did three, four years ago. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite brand, but Eleanor Rose is probably my favorite blend, even though the Wayfair blend is awesome. It's probably like two or three on my list. Is there one that stands out for your dad? Yeah, it's the Royal uh, Maduro XX. Yeah, that's his what favorite. What do you like about that one? He he's he's he really loves like Maduro Oscuro blends, like richer, fuller, um, and that's definitely uh, that's definitely his wheelhouse and like his baby. And uh, yeah, that's it, it's well known. Like everyone everyone knows that he really loves that cigar at, at yeah at the company and like outside the company, like that's his, his go-to. So, yeah. And you're part of basically like the next generation of the cigar industry. So yeah. you're, you know, you're ushering in, like I said, some new things and new ideas and such. Um, I think the cigar industry sometimes struggles with how do they, you know, how do you bring in new people to this lifestyle? And I know the pipe industry was the same way because I used to work for a pipe magazine and our biggest problem at the pipe magazine was that the subscribers were dying. <laughs> yeah. And once they died, there was nobody there to kind of re replace them. And I'm sure cigar companies kind of wonder, how do we bring new people into it? Like what's been your experience like n with not converting, you know, non-smokers into cigar smokers, but just, you know, communicating, what the cigar industry is about communicating what Sereno cigar company is about to yeah the newer generation because i'm sure that they think about cigars and the industry completely different than what their fathers and grandfathers thought yeah totally i mean i don't try to convert like non-cigar smokers into cigar smokers um i think through branding and like better social media usage you can connect more with somebody who's like learning or like wanting to learn more about cigars. Um, and I feel like that younger people, like probably like 25 to 45 are, are more engaged on social media. So I think it's just like a natural evolution of like the younger, more modernized brands connecting with the people that are younger. Um, and I like, if somebody's if somebody is, you know, uh, interested in it, I would just say, you know, try it out if you like it or find a cigar you like. If you don't like, uh, you know, you kind of collect labels and find out more on the regions and, and just like similar like wine and beer and all, all, all the um, like lifestyle, lifestyle uh, products. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, collect find more of what you like and then just keep following that path of what you like. I, I wouldn't go out of your way to smoke things you don't like just to say you did it. So do you find like the younger cigar smoker is more willing to try new brands? And then does that present a problem in terms of like trying to, trying to create like a loyal customer? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I think they're more curious. Like, uh, 
and also like more open to change about like a new brand came out. Let's go give that a change. But um, I, I think if you do, if you're good at what you do and like put a good product out there that like people will just naturally gravitate towards your brand. Um, so like just be consistent, show up and, uh, and uh, I, I think that will take care of itself. Like, yeah, you're going to want to, um, you're going to want to engage and build like a following around your brand. And I, I think more so instead of like running around and trying to like always capture the cigar enthusiast, if you just do a good job at what you're doing, that like people genuinely just kind of gravitate towards it. That might be naive. I don't know, but like it, no, it's, working, it's working so far. I think, it, I think there's a lot of meat to that, what you just said. Cause like I said, I know younger, we're dealing with a completely different demographic where, like you said, something new comes out and it's just like, I got to try it. But at the same time, older cigar smokers used to have a special brand that they, once they, they got hooked on it, it was like, that's the only one that they wanted to buy. And that was yeah. the cigar companies. And now you have to compete with so many. I mean, like you go to different trade shows in the industry and you see that there's so much variety in the industry right now. And they're Shockingly enough, even with the FDA stuff, there's still new brands popping up every yeah. every so often. And it's just like, how do you, you know, how do, do the brands just create that loyal following when people yeah. look and like they're just get romance pretty quickly and want to like jump in and like have their own brand? Like it, because it is, it's pretty like with the cigars themselves are aesthetically like a pretty product. And then like the bands and like, yeah, it's just like really it. it and if it works, like it's a good feeling to like see your brand presented in a bunch of shops. So, um, yeah, so I see a bunch of people why they like jump into it. Um, but yeah, I, I think you got to just stay consistent. And, and, uh, I, I've also seen some brands that, you know, might have a really good product and then the next couple are like not consistent. And it, it really, uh, it really deflates like any momentum they have. So like, yeah, I, I think you just gotta, just gotta keep putting your best foot forward every time. Yeah. How important is consistency just in, in terms of. Oh yeah. In terms, even, and even consistency in terms of what you do, because I know that it, you have your own process personally in your own method of approaching business. You know, how important is it to be consistent? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think as if you're not a heritage brand or like one that's very old um, and, and established that if you're not consistent, like you will. Yeah, you will. Uh, uh, yeah, you'll you'll do a lot of damage to your brand. So, like, I, I think it, it's very important to keep putting out a good product, good brands. Um a good story behind them. And, and then uh, I, I think that's what kind of sets apart the newer brands that are doing well compared to the newer brands that, you know, um, I don't know, aren't doing so well. You talked about the story and the story I always tell people as being a writer is so important, but not every company is telling their story anymore. They just put out a product, wrapper binder filler, price yeah. point, buy it and then yeah. they move on and there's some companies that even like do like rapid fire releases like two weeks apart they'll just do like all these new 
new cigars. And it's like, how did they, I feel like they're losing the story. How should brands or even businesses, even outside of the cigar industry, how should they approach capturing their story and telling their story into to today's consumer? Yeah. I mean, I think everyone wants to be a part of like something that was inspired. And I think if you don't, it just comes across as like uninspiring or just kind of run of the mill. And uh, I, I think those brands get lost pretty easily. So yeah, even outside of cigars, like I, I, I do think brands should, even if it takes them a little bit longer, should focus on like why they're putting that they're, that out there, like that product. Um, and, uh, and, and make sure it doesn't have to be some like deep story. It could just be, you know, but it should have some kind of purpose or intention behind it. Um, and I think that definitely helps set you apart, uh, compared to ones that are just like, uh, you know, um, slap a label on it and put it out there. Um, cause even like, even just slapping a label on a, it could be just a good blend that you came up with. You should just at least put a story behind like why this little, why this blend is good and why it worked out that way. Even if it happened in two or three days, like there's gotta be some kind of little story there. And I think too many people will just take that throw a band on it and think like just because it's a good cigar and a good band like or a band on it that it's going to do well but i think people just want to be involved and and uh I, I have something to read up on too and like see where this is coming from and meet the people and uh the makers behind the brand what have you learned about yourself since you've kind of come into sereno and aps and all the stuff i'm sure you've learned something about yourself compared to like when you were in college what's been the biggest revelation <laughs> um i would say just like there's a lot i mean yeah you, you hopefully you're always growing um but uh you know failure isn't always bad um it's good most of the time you can always just pick yourself up and improve and uh um not like failure of the brand but just like little things like i was saying like you learn you learn all the time from like your past mistakes and just like keep growing from them keep putting yourself out there um i think that that is a big thing of like improving your product and growing your brand uh yeah to be patient like it doesn't all happen like as much as you want like things to become successful all the time. I mean, right away in instantaneous. And I think that's just like a product of like our generation of what we've grown up with. Um, things take time. Like they just to get capture the trust of not only the retailer, but the end consumer, those things take time and like to just be patient with the process. What has your dad talk to you about business and i know that's probably a loaded question and it's probably a lot of stuff but is there like one big lesson that he's kind of taught you about business and and how this all works yeah i would say just like consistency he's pretty consistent like he's always up always like going after it and and i think that's not just for business but just like in life if you have like you know like some personal fitness or like relationship or like or or you know a skill you're trying to acquire just be consistent and and be patient with yourself and i think that's that's always gonna 
I think that's something, you know, I definitely learned from him a lot. So, and I know you are big into music. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so how did, how has kind of my favorite question, cause I don't know if some, there's so many people in the cigar industry that music is their background or their passion. You think Michael Herklotz, Rafael Nadal, um, Pete Johnson, um, Matt Booth plays some type of instrument. It's just crazy. Yeah. It's like it, there's so many musical people. So yeah. how has like, honest. yeah, right. So, yeah. Well, you know, what has, how have you applied what you've learned from music to like business or to like Sereno cigars? I think um, one, there's like an art form to both for sure. Like, and, and you appreciate that. And then also, you know, it, to learn an instrument takes a long time. Like it's not just something you learn overnight. Like there's definitely, like I said, going back to a patience and skill that you have to acquire. So I think like those kind of go hand in hand, like one and create something pretty out of nothing, like literally like tobacco or just like dead leaves, <laughs> um, you know, and like making something unique and beautiful about it. Um, and I think, uh, music is the same way. Like you can get a whim of inspiration and trying to trying to craft that into something that is, uh, of, um, you know, of substance. So, yeah. So I always like to kind of like tie things up with, with some advice for, for other entrepreneurs. So you're a young guy. Mm -hmm. I mean, actually you're younger than I am, which I feel very old now. Um, so, so you're a younger guy in business and there's so many people out there who, you know, they're, especially after the pandemic, they're setting out on their own to create their own businesses, to create their own brands and products. What would be your advice, you know, here in 2022 or whenever people are listening to this, uh, how should they get started in kind of figuring out, you know, what their passion is? Cause I think the passion Obviously, they need to have a passion for what they do. They can't just create a product and, you know, totally. from it. Yeah, I, I think if you're not passionate about it, you're genuine. You're like, you're not going to be genuinely curious about what you're doing, which I think just following your intuition and being genuinely curious will take care of a lot of, will, will set the wheels in motion. Um, and that will only you know, that will only uh, create more momentum for yourself. So I think you should like really like, you know, it's always good to like spend some time reflecting on like, do I really love this? Um, am I passionate about it? Can I like wake up every day and be curious about it and, and, and try to be a little bit better each day about it? And I, I think that's what you should aim to do if you have a, a new venture. Like one, you have to I, I would temper expectations and just be consistent and show up uh, every day trying to get a little bit better. And I think, you know, I forgot who said it, but like there's a thousand tiny steps is what it takes to climb a mountain. And I think that holds true with any kind of new venture or any, any new passion or hobby, anything you're trying to do in life. Like, so um, be patient, be genuinely curious and just try to get better a little bit every day. Definitely. I think what you're like, for those people who are listening or watching, 
there's a book called Atomic Habits that yeah. talks about those teeny tiny little read that book. Yeah, yeah. That you need to take I, and I how all the tiny steps add up to to big big things like later on. So I, I definitely think that's one of the things that, like I said, if you're interested in that kind of topic. Um, yeah. For people who are listening and watching this, Atomic Habits is a good book to kind of read. Um, yeah. It goes off what Carson was just talking about. Yeah, so, I totally agree. So like, what's yeah. huh? Sorry. I didn't no, go ahead. No, like, yeah, like this might seem um, like our brand is really compounded over 30 years, you know, like that's the truth of it. So, um, yeah, it just takes time. <laughs> so. Yeah, sorry. I, I didn't no, know. that's fine. What I was gonna just ask, like, what's ahead for Serenos Garbers? Like, is there anything like, are you, are you all working on new stuff, or are you kind of focusing on, you know, the brands that are established? Yeah, we're definitely focusing on our current brands. Uh, we have our new website that was put up, which, uh, you know, if you're watching, sign up for the newsletter, uh, so you'll get all the in the know, in the scoop things. And uh, uh, we do have new projects, new studio Serena projects are definitely on their way, which are, are is like uh, kind of all the things me, my dad and other collaborators, whoever want to come work with us with Serena, because, you know, we're not we're, we're trying to open it up as like a, an, an art creative house of people who want to come work with us and work on projects. So uh, we have a couple things in the work. We have one called bygone which i don't know if i should be talking about too soon but uh uh that one's um on the horizon definitely in the works and then uh yeah a couple more studio sereno projects and just quickly like what, what is studio sereno for those of you who i'm sure there yeah. are people who are watching i know there was a press release about it uh, a little yes. while ago yeah studio sereno is just uh it's just like making cigars that I feel like a lot of times cigar manufacturers and they should, they take a lot of like their retailers needs into consideration. Like, but also I feel like retailers also sometimes are just like, we only sell Toros, Robustos and Connecticut cigars. And like send that down the back, the back way, like back down our way of what's being made. And uh, I think studio Sereno is something that it's going to be the sizes we like, like the blends we really like. Um, and they're going to be small batch. So like, if you don't like, if they don't end up at your local retailer, that's okay. But like, it's our way of like kind of scratching our creative itch and, uh, and being really passionate about the products we're putting out. I think that's a cool idea. I mean, I think I wish more companies and I've seen a lot of companies start to experiment a little bit and, and create maybe like, like I said, this little side, I don't know, want to say a side studio or hustle, whatever they want to call it, where they can play around without messing up mm -hmm. you know, people expect from like the established brand. So I'm really excited to see what comes out of Studio Sereno and yeah, smaller runs. If you fail, you fail. Like just go right. on to the next cigar. Like you know, if a Vitola doesn't work, like it will eventually. Well, you know, do a small run of it, and you never know. It might be like the next big thing. So like, that's kind of our, our, our perspective on it right now. Well, like I said, I think it's a good perspective to have, and I'm really excited to see what comes out of that because I think more people need to get into the whole experiment, uh, you know, 
willing to play around a little bit more. Um, Because I think out of experimentation and playing around and not being so strict to this is what our brand is, we can't change a lot of innovation. That's the only way innovation can happen right now. Yeah, a lot of like awesome things are just happy accidents. So like, you know, go go and like make mistakes or and, and see what works for your brand and what doesn't. So that's kind of it's more of an exploration for us right now, which is fun. So now you talked about the website and stuff, and I know that some people are watching this so they can see it on the screen. But for those people who are just listening, could you tell people how to keep track of Sereno and um, what social media to follow, what websites to go to, and just mention the um, newsletter again for people? Um, yeah. Um, so. Totally. Um, SerenoCigars.com. And then on the bottom of our page, you can enter in and uh, just put your email and you'll stay up to date on all of our like new projects and any kind of things that we have going on. Uh, we don't really spam you at all. Um, it's all pretty, pretty driven content. Um, Instagram and Facebook, we're at Sereno Cigar Co. And uh, Twitter is Sereno Cigar Co. So um, I think we've got it at the bottom. Yes, yeah. people can see it here. So, <laughs> here. Yep. And, oh, other way. Other way. Oh. Well, okay. Wow. Okay. There we go. And then serenacigars.com. So, um, yeah. So if you want, or you can always email me, Carson at serenacigars.com. Um, I'm always try to be as responsive as possible. So if you have any questions, just shoot me an email, follow us. I'm also try to be responsive on direct messenger. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I think that's, well, I feel like, basis. I feel like you gave us a masterclass today in, in branding and marketing and, uh, consumer engagement. So it was definitely a, a different episode, but that's what I love about deep cuts is that every episode yeah. is completely, completely different from the other ones based I, on the conversation. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I wasn't, I, I wasn't expecting any of this. It, the, the name definitely like uh, rang true today. It was like, <laughs> I always hope. I tell people we're going to go deep, deeper than yeah. rapid binder filler. Yeah. So, I, I hope we people. Most of them are that. So, you know, yeah. But so, I enjoyed it. I had a great time hanging out. And, and I had a great time like chatting with you. Like I said, this is the first time when we've been able to actually chat. I know when we did the story, it was all through email and, and Word document. So it was nice to be able to connect with you over yeah. here and hopefully i'll see you at some point this year uh, at a trade show or something we'll we'll see yeah <laughs> you know the things are kind of letting up um pandemic wise so um but i want to thank you again for coming on and giving us a, an hour and two minutes yeah. of your time like it was like a great conversation and we'll have to have you back on at some point i don't know if your dad ever does things like this but it'll be interesting to, to kind of hear uh his his take on the story yeah, for right. sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. I'll I'll see. I'll pitch it to him and see what we can do. But um, yeah, likewise, I, I I had a great time hanging out with you. So thanks for having me on, and thanks for anyone who like listen who supports our brand or is interested in our brand. I really appreciate it. So yes. So for everybody who's watching, I want to thank you all for watching, and like I said, I want to thank our guest Carson for being on today. Um, if you want more information on Deep Cuts, go to deepcutslive.com where we have all the past episodes and we're going to be uploading 
the episodes that have just happened this month, which has been a lot. So the, all those episodes will be coming, but you can also go to YouTube and find us. Um, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, be sure to hit that uh, subscribe or follow button. Um, and we'll be back uh, next week with, uh, I think we just have one scheduled episode, which is fine. Cause like I said, we've been going hardcore lately. So uh, it'll be a very good episode nonetheless. So thank you again, Carson. Thank you again for everybody who watched today and uh, we'll see you back here next week. See you guys.